Hey everybody and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. It is week six part duh, aka part, part two duh. for those who are not of Francois out there. That was a bad, bad accent. Where I'm not very am I good at accents? I feel like you're asking me. I feel like I'm sporadically uh. good at accents. Give me something to accent. Give me something to accent? Yeah. Give me Australian, mate. Oh, that was good. I can't beat that. Give me something else. Uh I don't know, man. Give me some uh Heavy Italian. Heavy Italian. All right. Where's the Gabagol? It's time for part two. Let's get it started. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. I just had some mortadella and I'm ready to go. Where's the freaking Agabago? That's one of the best videos ever. Yeah, the video is tremendous. It's really hilarious. Uh, before we start to talk about the last seven games on this week's docket, because there are bye weeks, um, so it's only seven games today, I got to tell you about Party Belts, partybelts.com. Uh, go there and use code BRODO for 15% off of the coolest and most affordable prize you can get for your league. Uh, Party Belts is the official championship belt of BRODO Fantasy Football. You can design it. You can get it shipped to you fast and easy. It is one size fits all. It has beer holders, and it is super cool and super affordable. Uh, $30 even before just our code. It's going to be like $30 with our code, and come on. Why buy a $300 belt? Why why even, like, a lot of leagues don't even have a prize. It's $30. Everyone throw in three bucks, and you're good. It's very cool. And also, if you want to use Thrive Fantasy, which is DFS prop betting, um, so, for example, will A.J. Brown go over or under 70 and a half yards? Um, you pick a bunch of those, and it's a lot of fun. Gives you something to do if your um, redraft leagues are, if you don't have any players in that game or something of that sort. So, if you go to Thrive Fantasy and you use code BROTO20, that's B-R-O-T-O-2-0, um, you can get a match of up to $50 and from between 20 and $50. So, if you put in at least 20 up to $50, you will, they will match that, and then you will have double your money just like that. To have some fun. With that being said, let's get into tonight's first game. Washington at the New York Giants. Every time I say Washington, I just want to start singing Hamilton. It's crazy. Washington cannot be left alone. All right, I'm not going to do that. I got to watch Hamilton again. It's been like a month and a half. It's way too long. We should just put on this recorder one day and see if we can how much of Hamilton we can recite. A lot. That would go poorly. I don't know, man. Just like off the top of our heads right now, just do it. Uh, we're not going to do that, folks. No, of course not. All right, so the story of the game in a game filled with disasters, I guess. Ugh. What's the story, man? Let, let's go with, um, not fantasy related, but Alex Smith came back. And Alex yeah. Smith played, so shout out Alex Smith. But now let's get the fantasy related. Kyle Allen is still a quarterback, according to Ron Rivera. And Antonio Gibson's ceiling remains limited. Um, J.D. McKissick continues to still passing work. What do you expect from Antonio Gibson in a great matchup? Because I think he... Antonio Gibson's been so good on limited touches. He's an RB2, especially against the Giants, I feel like, with upside. But as long as J.D. McKissick is getting eight targets a game, like how much can Gibson do with 15 touches? He's still a rookie you know, on the Washington football team. It is tough, but you like to see that he's getting that many touches. You just 
wish he'd be on the field more, man. Like, he played 55% of snaps and got five targets, which is nice, but McKissick got eight targets. He's also uh, said that Gibson took a little bit of time off during a game with an ankle, tweaked his ankle a little bit too. So hopefully that has something to do with the fact that McKissick was really operating a lot in there, and hopefully it starts turning more towards Gibson because Gibson is a dynamic player, and he's a better player than J.D. McKissick, simple as that. And There is obviously question marks surrounding him and his environment, which make him a tough, a tough start. Unless he finds the end zone. With that being said, the Giants are a tremendous matchup. I have met RB nineteen. I'm I'm gonna fire him up as an RB two again this week. I I think he has some some upside against the Giants because the Giants are just bad. Period. Yeah, I agree. And then when you go to the pass catchers, Terry McLaurin and the rest of the team had a disgusting game from the arm of Kyle Allen and Alex Smith. Uh, it's still a great matchup. Terry McLaurin is still, he still has not seen less than seven targets in a game. And he, but he's been up and down. His wide receiver finishes, he's been outside of the top 36 three out of five times, but he's been within the top 40 four out of five times. So it he's been tough. Um, but that's what happens when your quarterback is who your quarterback is. Against yeah. the Giants is not a, not the worst matchup in the world. What do you think? James Bradbury has been very, very good, though. That is an uh, issue. Bradbury has first, been very good. Yeah, through the first five weeks of the season, you have to assume he's going to be on McLaurin. Again, I'm going to be lower on McLaurin than expert consensus ranking, as I have been basically every week thus far. I have him at wide receiver 23, so a low-end wide receiver 2, high-end wide receiver 3 option, just because he does see the targets. And I do think Kyle Allen being there, as crazy as it sounds, is better for him than Alex Smith, because Alex Smith looked lost out being back out there again so as long as he's seeing the targets he has a chance to just talent wise he has the chance to break out a long one or have a big game no matter what at any point because he's just a good player but it's a bad environment it's a tough matchup against James Bradbury and I don't see the huge upside here this week he's 37th in true target value so he has been outperforming that which is typical of Terry McLaurin He's a good player. Um, Logan Thomas is no longer a thing, and you're not starting a quarterback for Washington. So I guess we could quickly move to the Giants, where you don't really want to start a lot of guys on that team either. Um, Evan Ingram salvaged his day with a rushing touchdown, but still has no receiving touchdowns on the season, has yet to surpass 70 yards receiving. And Daniel Jones has been one of the worst quarterbacks on earth. Um, Daniel Jones is now on a four-game streak of not throwing a single passing touchdown. Jeez. Not good. If you're starting Daniel Jones, you are absolutely bugging out. Devontae Freeman is someone I'm most interested in this game because Washington has been worse against the run than they have been against uh, the pass. They've been solid against the run, too, though. Like They've actually been a very solid defense. But Devontae Freeman got a lot of work last week. Uh, he's clearly the main guy in the giant system, which I expected after the first, he played so much the first week after signing a couple days off the street. And I was like, this is clearly going to be his backfield going forward and played 54% of the snaps last week. I do expect that to go up even more this week. Saw four targets. So we was involved in the passing game as well. I actually have him as my RB 20. I like him as an RB two this week. I don't disagree. I think Freeman has sneaky upside. And last week we saw him, 
really take the reins. Like, we couldn't expect him to take the reins week three or four. He was just off the street. But week five, he... Dude, 17 rushes and two receptions. Like, he was a big part of the offense. Yeah. Probably touchdown dependent, and he found the touchdown last week, which has helped him a lot. But I'm I'm cool with Devontae Freeman as well. Um, when it comes to pass catchers, Darius Slayton had his best game of the year last year, which has been tough because Daniel Jones has been just so damn bad. Um, Slayton continues to be out of the top 36 in true target value because Daniel Jones has continued to be that so damn bad. Um, he's seen at least six targets in every game this season, and this is only his second time within the top 55 wide receivers. So I'm not quite ready to go all in on Darius Slayton. Um, I think that he, with bye weeks, he is a wide receiver three flex play at best. I have him at wide receiver 35. I'm okay with him in your flex. I prefer other people, though. I actually have him exactly a wide receiver 35 as well. Washington is one, has been one of the stingiest defenses against the wide receivers this year. They're, they're just a, a, a good passing defense. and They actually get beat by the tight end more so than they do the receiver, but Evan Ingram has been so inconsistent. He had a decent game last week just because he had a rushing touchdown, which you can't bank on. I do have him as tight end 10 this week, so I think Darius Slayton, like you said, more of a low-end wide receiver three flex play with upside, with serious downside, because that's just how the Giants' offense is rolling. I don't want to touch Golden Tate. Evan Ingram, just for snap percentage and usage in the offense sake, is a is my tight end 10, but again, I just, this passing offense has been so ridiculously bad to start this season. Yeah. And golden Tate last week, four catches, 42 yards. He's had at least four or five catches in every game. So unless you want four or five catches in a PPR league, you, you're not touching golden Tate, right? Yeah. I, I don't like golden Tate this week. Yeah. Um, is that it for this game? I think so. Not, not a very good game. Jeez. All <laughs> right, so we'll go on to the next game. And that game is the Broncos at the Patriots. Yeah, the story of the game has to be the fact that Melvin Gordon got caught with a um, speeding and a DUI, right? Is that how it worked out? He got pulled over for speeding and he got a DUI? Yeah, apparently he had... Too much wine with his pals and decided to drive home rather than calling an Uber, which not a smart move there, Melgo. But when now he is much very money, much, man. very much in the air. And apparently teams, because of COVID and all that, are supplying their players with free like Uber rides and shit. Makes it even worse. Yeah, it's strange. All right. So anyway, um, I mean, not anyway. It's important. If Mel goes out, I'm firing up Philip Lindsay. Yeah, I got uh, Melvin Gordon right now as a low-end running back, too, because it is a def- difficult matchup against New England, and Bill Belichick is one of the best coaches in the game, so he often comes out with a very uh, a very good team after a bye week. Um, this, is more of, this isn't a typical bye week in a sense that it was the game was canceled, but I have Melvin Gordon at running back 21 at the moment. I'd Likely just put Philip Lindsay right around the same area if Melgo is ruled out and Royce Freeman moves up into like the RB 40-ish area. I concur, although I don't really, I'm not planning on starting Royce Freeman at all against New England. And I think that has to be taken into note. New England is a defense that 
is always good, man. Bill Belichick is a genie. So, Drew Locke practiced in full today. Um, we are recording on Wednesday night, so he practiced in full on Wednesday, which I'd assume means he's going to play. Um, Locked and loaded, baby. Yeah, he's he's expected to play. Um, good for him. I am not trusting Drew Locke, uh, who has not been great in his short stint this year against New England coming off of an injury. And I think that also carries over to his receivers. I think this could be an ugly game. I like New England defense. I think so too, but I New England has been a little bit of a pass funnel-ish defense. And if Jerry Judy is coming out of the slot a lot, and if Tim Patrick is the the GOAT to just, you know, the decoy to take Gilmore out of the game, then Jerry Judy could see a lot of, potentially a lot of work. I have him as my wide receiver 32. I'm a little higher on him than I thought I would be. But I do think there's a 7-10 to 10 target potential here, along with Noah Fant, who I inserted right into tight end 11 if he plays this week against New England. Uh, those are clearly the top two pass-catching options, and Noah Fant is a beast. Let's not forget, just because he missed some time, that he was having a very, very nice start to the season. And with the tight end landscape the way it is, I'd absolutely take him off my uh, bench or IR after missing time and just putting him back into my lineup. Are you starting Noah Fant over Austin Hooper? I got Hooper at tight end 8, uh, Fant at 11. Ebron? I got Ebron at tight end 7. Kasiki? Kasiki at tight end 9. <laughs> oh, wow. All right, then. Yeah. Tanyan? Tanya in a tight end six. I, I'm just, all right, I'm not even looking at your rankings, but I guess I know all of them. So You just named six through nine. Yeah, we'll end it there. Um, you're not starting KJ Hamler or Tim Patrick um, with Judy and potentially Fant back against a tough defense, right? I agree. I agree, yes. So that means we can go over to the other side. The Denver defense has been pretty good at stopping the run, not so good through the air which I think bodes well for Camp because it means he's going to have to throw, but it also means that he's going to have to scramble. And what means good for Cam is when he has to scramble. That was in English, but you know what I mean. Um, and somehow, <laughs> Scrambled eggs. Again, expert consensus ranking. Like People forget how good people are over buys, I guess, because he's a 12th quarterback right now, and I put him yeah, at quarterback odd. five because he has – He's played three games this year, and two of them he's been quarterback six or better. I expect him to run against Denver, and I expect him to have a good game. Yeah, he's my QB six, and actually this is probably the highest I'll be on Julian Edelman. I got Edelman at wide receiver 25, actually whoa, above whoa, consensus. Yeah, and I am the just the biggest Edelman hater in the world this season. But like you said, Denver has been a lot better against the run. This is a Cam Newton is going to have to pass type game here that bodes well for julian edelman uh the denver defense has not been good through the air julian edelman has not been good in games where they're able to run the ball but has been decent in games where they're forced to pass i don't think they're going to be trailing but i do think cam newton's gonna have to be passing more than we think like i don't think they're gonna be able to beat denver by just handing it off to damian harris burkhead james white and company so I do think uh, Julian Edelman is a high-end wide receiver three this week, and Akil Harry has some interesting flex oh, appeal. He has on. a little bit of, he has a low f- ceiling, but I mean he has a decent floor. I have him at wide receiver forty-seven, so it's not like I'm saying go grab and start Akil Harry, but I do think he at least Harry? has some flex appeal. Nah, man, no. 
He doesn't. Yeah, Who I up, do Joe. like as a flex option, if they're going to be throwing a lot, is James White. James White is probably going to be the second option out there. I don't week. hate that, yeah. Um, his last game played, he had seven receptions. In the game before that, he had three receptions, um, but had five rushes. He's basically going to get eight to 12 touches, and that's enough for him to be productive and give you flex value. I agree. Uh, I definitely think he has some flex appeal. Damian Harris, I think, is very touchdown dependent here, but flex appeal as well. Let's see. Coming out of that break, let's see if Damian Harris is the featured guy. He was basically the featured guy um, last time they were on the field, and he played well. So it was against Kansas City, who is a run funnel-ish type of defense, and Cam Newton was not the quarterback. So there's a lot to unravel here for Damian Harris as well. I'd rather not take the gamble on him this week, but it's I am interested to see how that plays out. Yeah, listen, under... He just took over the Sony Michelle role, and under Cam Newton, Sony Michelle saw like nine or ten tar- rushes a game. I don't want that. He's not going to be the goal line back. He's not going to catch passes. I'm not touching Damian Harris. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't blame you for feeling that way. Anyone else you want to talk about in this game? You're not touching Rex Burkhead with um, White and them no. as well, right? And Demir Bird yeah. plays a lot, but and who cares about Ryan Izzo? So that's that for that game. Moving on to the next one. Holy shnikey. It's time to talk about the Jets, and I don't even want to. <laughs> so, like, what's there even to say? They get rid of Le'Veon Bell, their only decent player besides Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder is the best player on earth because he's the only player on that team, and he continues to get be underrated. Um, he has now played three games this year, finished in half PPRs, wide receiver 8, wide receiver 20, wide receiver 8. Um, three top 18 finishes in PPR. So you got to fire up Crowder, man. Yeah, I have Jamison Crowder as my wide receiver 12 this week, Jay. What? Call me crazy, but this guy has yet to finish a game. My wide receiver 11, actually, he's yet to finish a game with less than 110 receiving yards. He's clearly the main guy in that offense. Huh? Less than 104. Less than 104 receiving yards. He's clearly the main cog in that offense. It just completely runs through him. They just released Le'Veon Bell. He gets he comes out of the slot, which is the weakest point for uh, Miami in their secondary. All signs point to Jameson Crowder just being a wide receiver, a top 15 wide receiver again. And I know it's ugly, and I know there's like, really, you want to trust Joe Flacco and all this, but... That's just how it's been for Crowder for the entire season, and I don't think it changes this week against Miami. I'm uh, I'm going all in this week on him. Dude, I'm impressed. That, that's ballsy, man, putting him that high. <laughs> but look, two out of the three weeks, you would have been too low on him um, because yeah. 11 was too low. So I don't blame you. And I have him at 27 right now. I'll probably move him up, though. You just convinced me to move him up because, look, there's no one in a better spot right now. He's the guy, and that's it. Because Chris Herndon played less than Ryan Griffin last week. I'm not touching Gore or P. Ryan. I think that's it for the Jets. Basically. Right? I mean, P. Jeff Ryan is someone Smith, I said. Jeff Smith had like 12 targets and did nothing with it. He did, and played. Dude, Jeff Smith played 99% of the snaps and saw 11 targets. Holy moly, Jeff Smith. I am going to say, yo, Chris Herndon, 42% of snaps. Jeez, what a. 
what a terrible, terrible, terrible investment that ended up being in Chris Herndon. But Chris Hogan went on IR, so Jeff Smith should continue to basically play every snap. If you're in a super deep league, he's not the worst flex option just for <laughs> target reasons. But yeah, it's just put, pick up P. Ryan, put him on your bench, see what happens. But uh, yuck. Denzel Mims is back at practice, though. That's exciting. Denzel Mims, baby, the rookie receiver yeah, sure. out of Baylor, the ginormous receiver. That is at least a little bit exciting news out of Jets practice. So, again, not going to chase after him right now. But if you have a free spot, maybe just put him at the end of your bench, too. Why not? Looking at the other side of the ball, the Miami Dolphins made Jordan Goldline Vulture Howard a healthy scratch last week. And you know what happened? Miles Gaskin scored a goal line touchdown. Yes, um, he did. This was his first rushing touchdown of the season. He received all of the goal line snaps, and he's sixth in the league in targets for running backs. So if he's getting that many targets and he's the goal line back, it's not a prolific offense where he, goal line back means much. Jordan Howard has two touchdowns, I think, in that role, or three. Still, dude, if he's catching the ball and the goal line back, I need to retract my statement on Miles Gaskin because... He's a legit option, and against the Jets, I know their run defense is decent, but like this isn't last year, and he catches passes too. So I have Miles Gaskin as running back twenty-one. Yeah, Miles um, Gaskin is is looking good and has that main role. And people apparently were excited about Matt Breida getting a little bit of work last week. Who cares about that? But I have Miles Gaskin at RB twenty-two right now, so very similar to you. Um, I'm buying into it this week as a RB2. I've I bought into Miles Gaskin way earlier than you did, and that's his backfield. And that Miami offense is just operating at all on all cylinders right now, as crazy as it sounds. So I'm firing up Gaskin uh for sure this week against against uh against the Jets because the Jets are d- disgustingly terrible. Which also I don't know how we just didn't start with Ryan Fitzpatrick being the best quarterback in the league, apparently. This dude absolutely dominated the 49ers, has now had at least 23 fantasy points in each of his last four games. He's a QB1, period. Like, it's as simple as that. Against the Jets, the Jets aren't good. And they haven't been giving up monstrous fantasy performances, really. But that's just because they're so bad. Teams get out to big leads and then don't really need to operate offensively anymore. But Fitz is just going to do his thing again this week. I like him again as a low-end quarterback one option. I'm happily firing him up. Devontae Parker, I think, is in a tremendous spot. I'm way higher on Devontae Parker uh, than expert consensus ranking. I have Devontae Parker as my wide receiver 10. What's up with that? Yeah, I know he only saw three targets last week, and people are concerned. But he had two receptions, 50 yards, and a touchdown on the first drive. And let's not forget that Miami was up by, like, three touchdowns, and C.J. Beathard started the second half for the 49ers. Like, he was still the most... uh, He played the highest amount of snaps of any receiver, and if they really needed him, I'm sure he would have had a bigger game. Like, Preston Williams finally came back to life, but he only saw five targets. He did outplay Isaiah Ford. Shouldn't it be a positive that Parker was so good on three targets? Yeah, I mean, that's what... And against the Jets, I'm happily fire up Parker. I think he has huge upside this week. I'm confused as to why people are ranking him as like a wide receiver three against the Jets. I don't really understand it. Same here. Um, 
you mentioned Preston Williams. You starting him or no? Uh, definitely not. Um, he only saw five targets last week. Even if they were productive targets, and he did out snap Isaiah Ford again, sixty to thirty six percent. I don't want to bank on will Preston Williams see more snaps than Isaiah Ford this week. I agree. Yeah. Um, that brings us to who people like to call their slot wide receiver in the Chan Galley offense. Um, <laughs> Mike Gasicki, who put up five and ninety one last week. He has two touchdowns on the season. Um, and he has three top fifteen finishes at this point through five games. So he hasn't been as bad, although one of them is a fifteen point finish. But he has two top seven finishes, so he's been pretty boom bust. Um, so what do you expect from Mr. Boom Bostic? Yeah, he's been very boom bust. Not shocking, but he gets the Jets this week. The tight ends are just not very good, period, outside of like, dude, it's Kelsey Kittle, Andrews, Johnu Smith, and then a huge drop-off in my opinion, like yeah. a huge drop-off. I got Gasicki at tight end nine, and I am not confident in him. That's just... I think he has upside this week against the Jets because the Jets are not a good defense. He only saw 45% of the snaps last week again. Like, this guy's hardly even on the field for half the game on the offensive side. But if he's going to be seeing targets and he has that red zone appeal, he does have a role in the red zone, which is nice. That means he's on the tight end one radar. And even true throw value, excuse me, true target values, Sega Siki. Like Kasicki, he's the tight end nine and true target value. So hmm. I'm firing up Mike Kasicki as a low end tight end one this week. Shout out true values. I'll make surprise me, true values. Uh, think some stuff. Liked Mike Kasicki. Yeah, right. Um, I think that's it for that game. So let's move on over to the next one. The Packers at the Bucks. The Packers. Packers Brown. Um. So the story of this game is the Packers are coming off of a bye and. I'm making this the story because it's remarkable. Jair Alexander, before that, went up against the Saints and went up against Calvin Ridley. And in those two games, he allowed one catch for negative two yards combined in those two yep. games. Good luck, Mike Evans. Yeah, uh, we have to wait again. Check back later. This is a very much question mark around Chris Godwin, if he's going to play or not. I got Mike Evans right now at wide receiver 17 because if Chris Godwin is out Jair Alexander or not this guy is basically the goal line back for that team and the number one receiving option who's going to see 10 plus targets Jair Jair Alexander or not so I do think in a game which is like probably going to be a little high score in Green Bay and Tampa I, I'll still fire him up as a wide receiver, too. If Chris Godwin plays, I like Mike Evans less because then Godwin can take some of the work away from him. Brady doesn't have to like focus mainly on Evans as the main receiving option. If Jair Alexander remains on Evans throughout the entire game, it's, it's going to be tough because Jair Alexander has been probably the best shutdown corner of the year so yeah. far. Are you done with... Justin Watson, Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson. This week, I definitely don't want to touch them. Man, Tyler Johnson played 79% of the snaps last week. Miller saw 63%. Tyler Johnson ended up being a much better play. Justin Watson missed the game with injury. I do not want to touch Watson, Johnson, Miller. But 
one of them is likely to have a good game if Chris Godwin is out. That's the problem. Like, will Tyler Johnson's snap count remain high if Justin Watson returns? Because he had a good game against Chicago. Or will Justin Watson get his role back? Will Scotty Miller finally show up in a game where Chris Godwin is out? We've seen that the floor of this outcome is zero. And we've seen that the ceiling could be double-digit points. It's a toss-up, in my opinion. And, and I, don't, I, just, I don't want to take the gamble. I'd rather not take the gamble as well. But if you're really struggling and Justin Watson is available and he comes back, I think he'd be my choice. Uh, if we move over to the running back, Ronald Jones, two straight weeks of over 100 yards, two straight weeks of 85 or plus more yards after contact. Um. Say what you want. The man has looked pretty good on the ground, and he has not looked good through the air. That is for sure. But he's looked good on the ground. Still caught five targets through the air last week, though. Yeah. Well, yeah, five targets through receptions. Green Bay is a little less daunting on the ground than they are through the air, thanks to Mr. Jair. And Fournette is probably more healthy, but obviously Ronald Jones is the guy right now in that backfield. There's always a chance that Fournette gets a hot hand and overtakes him, which is the scary part. But you could fire up Ronald Jones at RB2. I actually... I have Ronald Jones as my RB8, bro. I'm all in on what Ronald Jones. What the fuck is happening with you? It, it's Ronald Jones You're week. You're ballsy this week. In my mind. I am ballsy this week. It's been paying dividends in my rankings, folks. With the ballsiness. But let me tell you, I just... This Green Bay defense, the way it works, it, it leans more towards secondary passing options because of Jair Alexander and the running game. And Rojo is a mix of both. He's a secondary passing option, and he is the running game right now. And he's running very well. And if I don't see why that would not continue this week against Green Bay, I think it's going to continue to be his backfield. I mean, the man has seen 37 rush attempts over the past two weeks and nine receptions. Like, that's some elite-level workload right there. So, I'm all in on Rojo this week against Green Bay. Maybe it's to a fault because we've. Oh man, everyone knows I'm like the biggest Rojo hater of all, and I've never owned, I've never rostered him, and I was begging people not to draft him his rookie year and last year, and even this year. But I'm going all in this week. Don't be surprised if he just completely shits the bed because it's finally the time I'm gonna buy into him. But I like him a lot this week. Do you expect Tom Brady to be a QB1? I have him outside of my top 12. I'd rather look elsewhere, but I do see the streaming appeal and a potential shootout. Yeah, Tom Brady's another one where you need the passing touchdowns because he's not going to run. Like, maybe he'll rush for a touchdown if he's at the half-yard line. He's very good at QB sneaks, but I have him at QB14 just because I don't think he has a very high ceiling, but I do think he has a decent game against Green Bay and what should be a higher-scoring affair. Um yeah, I don't love him this week, but I do think he has some solid streaming appeal. And Rob Gronkowski, we, the only Tampa Bay player we are yet to mention, got a lot of work last week. Uh, 80% of snaps with O.J. Howard gone, six targets. If he's going to be seeing that much work, he's going to have some appeal week in and week out. Green Bay has been strong against the tight end, but I do think Gronk, especially if Godwin is out, has some streaming appeal this week. If Godwin is out, it does hurt. It does help. Sorry, not hurt. Um, yeah. But six targets from Tom Brady ain't the worst thing in the world. Exactly. Moving to the other side, A-Rod is playing like A-Rod of the past. Um, and a lot of that is thanks to his running back, who is not getting 
as much work as he should per usual, but he's still getting a decent amount of work. And he's still doing great things with it. In half PPR, Aaron Jones has not finished lower than running back 13 this year. Um, he's just a stud, always, even on limited touches. And I don't think that we should let the Tampa Bay defense scare us away. They have been a lockdown run defense. But Aaron Jones has six touchdowns on the season in four games, carrying over what he did last year. So he's basically guaranteed to find the end zone every week. And he eclipses 100 yards almost every week as well. Yeah. They've been a very strong defense thus far, no doubt about it, but I don't care. The Packers have been a very strong offense thus far. And with the way our Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones have been going, I'm firing up Aaron Jones as a uh, running back one. I'm firing up Aaron Rodgers as a QB one. Devontae Adams is going to play. I'm firing him up as a high-end wide receiver one. I'm all aboard the Packers offense, even though the Tampa Bay defense has been very good. I... I just, I'm siding with the well-rested, absolutely glorious offense that Green Bay has been operating so far. Do you uh, like Marquez Waldez-Scantling? MVS, I'm not super high on, uh, just because he's very hit or miss, of course. And do you want to bank on a touchdown? Eh, because that's what you're doing if you... uh, if you bank on MVS, like I'm okay with he score him out there, man. Mouth? He's seeing a decent amount of targets. He's not that good, but at some point the targets got to hit. Like right now, I dude, do, in true I do target have him value, as a solid flex play. He's my wide receiver forty four. Like Aaron Rodgers has been so good this year that Marquez's seven targets per game, a lot of them in the red zone. He he's missed a couple touchdowns. They expect points. He's second in true throw value this year. So I'm but, gonna I'm gonna trust that and roll with Marquez this week. MVS could also just be a second coming of Sammy Watkins, and that it doesn't matter what his true target value is because he's just not great with the targets. That could be the case, but I'm willing to take a shot this week. There's bye weeks. Right. You mentioned yeah. Tanyan in your rant. Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't actually, but I'm firing up Tanyan as well. How do you not start a guy coming off one of the best games? Like this entire season, and he by has far his thirteen best catches, career. five touchdowns. It's wild. Yeah, I mean they're clearly using him as a weapon, even with Devontae Adams returning. Maybe that opens up even more for Robert Tanyan. Like he's a he was a huge part of that offense, played a uh, played a lot, and I don't see that changing. Um, I'm I'm buying into Tanyan this week, and I'm firing him up as a tight end one if I was lucky enough to get him basically for free or paid a little bit off the waiver wire because man oh man that was a great performance he had last week uh a couple of weeks ago rather and it's a tough matchup against Tampa Bay but it's uh, like I said I'm buying into the Packers offense anyone else you want to talk about from this game I don't believe so all right the last before of the four o'clocks before we get to prime time is the Rams at the 49ers let me see what's the story of this game um, I don't want it to be that Jimmy G was redonkulously bad. So let's go with the Rams running backs. Let's start with the Rams. Um, when asked about Cam Akers' performance last week, Sean McVay said, you can expect his workload to increase. So Henderson was the found one that found the end zone. Akers was good on limited touches. Malcolm Brown took a back seat. Every week, McVay does some crazy shit, and it's just really looking like a three-back committee 
where every time you think Malcolm Brown's falling out of favor, he jumps in. Every time you think Henderson's falling out of favor, he jumps in. I'm hoping that Cam Akers is the one that takes the reins. Um, he looked good last week. He's the guy they drafted. They want him to, in my opinion. And they said he's going to get more work. But this week, how do you trust these guys? Daryl Henderson is my favorite as a back-end RB2 flex because at the end of the day, he's been a running back 11 or better in four of the in three of the last four weeks. So, like, you have to recognize that and you have to consider starting him. It's It's rough out here, though. It's tough to know. It really is, man. It's because it's just so frustrating because if one of them was just the guy back there, it would be great. But I agree in that Cam Akers, like Sean McVay said, he's going to get a bigger role. I agree in that he's likely going to be a thorn in the side of Daryl Henderson and vice versa, and Malcolm Brown will likely fall out of favor there. But can you start any of the guy, any of these guys confidently in a matchup against San Fran who – is pretty solid against the run as well. So their flex plays, uh, Henderson and Akers, I think. I think Henderson is more upside and Akers is definitely more risky, but it's just like we've seen this with Henderson already. There's a chance you get like three points. There's a chance you get like 20. Yeah. They're, they're risky flex plays. Um, the two guys on the outside are a little bit more reliable. That's Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Last week, um, Cooper Cup has kind of been emerging as a number one option. Last week, Robert Woods did best him um, because he caught a long touchdown and with four catches for 71 yards and a touchdown. Robert Woods is just the epitome of consistency. Um, yeah. Every week besides one, he's been a wide receiver, um, 37 or better, so he's never going to kill you. Um, and he does have upside. I like him this week because San Francisco has not been the best defense. They just got lit up by Fitz and the guys out there. And Cooper Cup as well um, has been consistent. He's seen at least seven targets in his last three weeks. Two touchdowns in two of those games. Woods and Cup are doing Woods and Cup things. Yeah, I have them both as strong wide receiver twos. It's very frustrating how much this offense is operating through their running game. It really is. It's pissing me off because Tyler Higby is like not a thing at the moment either. Like It's very hard to trust Tyler Higby. In a fantasy league, if you roster him, because that's just how their offense has been going. It's operating through their running game, and that's why Cup and Woods are consistently decent, but they're not having like huge games. And this game against San Fran, if San Fran plays up to their potential, like they've been just bad this season in many games, including last week against Miami, if they have a lead or if they're close with LA. I could see them going dropping back to pass more. Ryan Fitzpatrick just looked them up through the air. So I think Cup and Woods are solid wide receiver twos. Higby, I still don't hate if you have to start him as a tight end one option, but I'd rather look somewhere else this week. Higby has definitely looked more like non-historical stretch Higby this season. Yeah, it's upsetting. unfortunately. And it's all just based on volume, which is the worst part because he deserves yeah. it. And he's playing by far more snaps than Gerald Everett. He's basically on the field every down. He's just blocking a lot. You prefer not to start Jared Goff this week? or I have him as a streaming option, but I do think there's better options out there if possible. Although he has had his best games on the road this season. The last two games, his last three games on the road, his three games on the road this season, quarterback 12, 5, and 8. 
So I do think he has some streaming appeal, but I do prefer the Tannehills and Staffords of the world. Agreed. Yeah. I'm with you. Cool. I'm with you there, kid. So let's go to the other side then. Um, I guess we can. I don't know. Jimmy G was an anomaly. Um, I'm just taking last week's quarterbacking performance and throwing it out the window. We've seen Jimmy G be a decent quarterback. Bad games happen. They benched him after the first half. I don't know what was going on, but for the 49ers' sake and for fantasy football's sake, I hope it's uh, just an anomaly, like you said. That's how I'm going to treat it. I'm just going to throw it out the window, and I think we'll see a bounce back this week. I don't I don't think that's, that's the 49ers. I, I don't think they're a bad team. Yeah, look, we all know George Kittle's going to bounce back just fine. I'm down with Debo Samuel again, man. He was limited his first game, but they clearly showed they wanted to get him touches. He had four touches on limited snaps. Last week, he played 57 out of the 64 snaps and saw eight targets. The results weren't bad, were bad, but trust the process. He's going to play and he's going to get targets. He's going to get looks. He might get some rushes. I'm in on Debo this week. I like him as a wide receiver three option. I, I like Debo... As a wide receiver three option as well. I've met wide receiver 37. I like him better as a flex play just because the Rams passing defense has been one of the best in the league. Jalen Ramsey and company are shutting down opposing passing offenses. And what the 49ers want to do is run the ball. And that's what I think they are going to do against the Rams. So I do like the fact that Debo was playing 90% of the snaps and saw eight targets and I do think he has some appeal there, but I do think they, they're going to lean more towards Mostert this game, who, man, Raheem Mostert came back, and goodbye, Jarek McKinnon. Dude, Jarek like McKinnon, McKinnon played 16 snaps. 12 yeah. of those came on third and fourth down. He He's had, dude, every game Mostert's played this year, he's had three or fewer carries and three or fewer catches in every game. It's crazy. He's just not getting work, really, when Mostert's like, on the field. Even Jeffrey Wilson played... 10 or so snaps yeah. like McKinnon didn't even play entirely over Jeffrey Wilson so it was rough uh I don't see how you could trust McKinnon this week as anything more than like a low end flex option hoping he finds the end zone on like one of his like four targets maybe Ivor he most is my RB7 I don't know how long it has to take for people to just see that Raheem Mostert is the guy there but playing less than 50% of the snaps in his return he got 11 rushes and turned it into 90 yards. Caught all three of his targets for 29 yards in a game where their offense looked absolutely atrocious. Raheem Mostert was once again an absolute stud. So I am firing him up as a running back one this week. Happily. I agree. Last person we got to talk about in this game, Brandon Ayuk. Um, you didn't seem too high on Debo, so I'm assuming you don't love Ayuk. I, I think he did okay flex play, but... Look, they're going to want to get Mostert going. They're going to want to get Debo going. And they're going to want to use Kittle. And the offense struggled last week. I don't think that they run it through Brandon Ayuk when they're trying to fix it. I have Ayuk close um, to Samuel. Not super close, but I'm at 46 compared to Samuel at 37. Ayuk played 97% of the snaps and saw six targets. So if he's going to get that work, all he has to do is is break one long one. And he certainly has that potential. But I do agree that he uh he has a low floor though, so it's he's very boomer bust. So 
that's why I think he's a he's a flex play at best this week. Mr. Boombastic. Moving on to Sunday Night Football on MSG. Mellow Mahomes and, and Allen are the best on TV. Yo, Chiefs-Bills are a good game. That's a great game for Sunday Night Football, baby. It's a baby. good game. Um, story of the game, it's a good fucking game. Um, I'm going to start with my story. Sammy Watkins might be out. And in the fourth quarter last week when they were down, Tyree Kill, Mecole Hardman, and Demarcus Robinson all played around over 80% of the snaps. In his career with Hill or Watkins out, Hardman has averaged five catches, 53 yards, and a half touchdown per game. That's 13 PPR points. Michael, I have Mecole Hardman. As my wide receiver, 26. 26. I thought you were going to get mad at me. I might move him higher. I thought you were going to get mad at me when I told you that I had uh, Miko Hardman as my wide receiver, 32. Oh, there you go. Dude, because at the end of the day, we, we talk about it. We You mentioned it earlier. Sammy Watkins sucks, and his true values tell you that. Like, he can be a top 10 in true values, and he's a bum in real life. Mikael Hardman isn't that. If he gets those targets from Mahomes, he's going to turn it into something. And the Bills get torched through the slot week after week. Not this week against Tennessee, but that was because they didn't need to. I mean, Johnny Smith and A.J. Brown did all the work through the air. And Khalif Raymond actually had a few nice catches as well. But they get torched typically by the slot receiver. And if Miko Hardman is going to be lining up there playing 70-plus percent of the snaps... Sign me up all day for Miko Hardman this week. I think this is the week where he finally uh, has a very nice fantasy day. Yeah, I like it too, man. Um, I like Tyreek Hill. It, do Do you want to take a shot on Demarcus Robinson? I'd rather not. I have him in the fifty range. Like once you get that deep, if Watkins is out, maybe he'll do something. But I think it's going to be a Hill and Hardman and Kelsey game. Yeah, if you're that deep, I understand why you'd want to take a shot on him. Um, I have missed my wide receiver 53, so, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to. Is is what I'll Kelsey say. Kelsey last week his first finish as tight end one overall. He has not been lower than tight end 10 in half PPR this season. Um, keep firing him up against the Bills, who the Bills also struggle against tight end. So I think it's gonna be a yeah. good game for Kelsey. You don't got to say much about Travis Kelsey at this point. The dude's, a, the dude's an animal. You're firing up Mahomes. And then CEH continues. Dude, all the stats, all the, like, saber metrics. This guy can run the ball. He he can he can make people miss. He can get yards after contact. For some reason, he's been allergic to the end zone. Yeah. Daryl Williams played a decent amount last week, too, on passing downs. But CEH did see eight targets, so I'm not going to go crazy about that. But, yeah, I mean, he's been consistently good. He hasn't been first-round value, though. He hasn't had those blow-up games. He just hasn't hasn't been finding the end zone at all. And will that change this week against Buffalo? I don't know. You hope so. I still think he has... I mean, he has as high a floor as anyone at this point because he gets a lot of work in a Patrick Mahomes offense, but... Man, the guy needs to start putting up bigger games to live up to that RB1 ceiling. And uh, it's just it's just tough that he he's not finding the end zone because touchdowns are hard to predict, and that's the hardest thing to predict in fantasy is touchdowns. And he's been playing decently well. He just he hasn't been, like, 
blowing us away by any means, though. Yeah. Yeah, basically. You keep firing him up and just hope he finds the end zone. Um, going to the other side, the Bills got scraped pretty badly by the Titans because um, the did. Titans are a very good team. Josh Allen had his worst game of the year, but he still finished as a QB 15, put up 18 fantasy points. If that's his floor, well then, so be it, because I'll take 18 on a bad day, because most of the time he's not going to have a bad day. He only rushed for 18 yards as well. Um, a little bit concerning, considering um, four of five games this year, he's rushed for less than 20 yards. You want to see him rush for more, but when you can get some rushing touchdowns and when he's been throwing so effectively, it's not that much of a concern. So just because of how dual threat ability he's become, um, you're firing up Josh Allen. Yeah, he's a he's a start it and forget it type guy at this point. So I agree, just start him. Period. Um, when it comes to running backs, actually, before I do that, I do need to make a mistake. We we sang the Sunday night football song, but COVID's getting everyone all confused. Um, there's two Monday night games this week. The Bills game got pushed back to Monday because they played on Tuesday. Ah, right. The Thursday game is canceled, too. There's no Thursday game this week. Yeah, exactly. So this is a Monday night game. But anyway, so we're firing up Josh Allen. When it gets to the running back, Devin Singletary had a rough night on Tuesday. Um, and it, I Can't it, deny it. I think it's odd that they went to TJ Yeldon so quickly, considering Singletary's been good in his career. He's been good this year. He was good last year. I'm a little, I'm a little scared that that means Zach Moss is just going to come back and have a role no matter what. And if he doesn't come back this week, TJ Yeldon's going to have a role. So I mean, it's odd because Zach Moss practiced in full, if I'm not mistaken, and then is scratched in a game that got delayed to a Tuesday. It's like, do they like this guy? Is he healthy and they're just not really playing him? Or what's going on there? So, I don't know. Keep an eye on Zach Moss, but Singletary certainly had a bad game. There's no denying that, but he was... He was playing a lot, and I know T.J. Eldon stole work, and T.J. Eldon called a touchdown and all that, but T.J. Eldon mixed in the last few weeks, too, without Zach Moss, so I'm not super scared away by that. Singletary had a bad game. It happens. It, was, uh, it wasn't good, but Kansas City is a tremendous matchup for running backs. They got destroyed by Derek Carr through the air, but guess what? Josh Jacobs also had a big game, and that was the outlier from the Chiefs over the past year and a half or so is – that's that huge game from Derek Carr. Typically, they're a lot better against the pass than they are against the run. I'm diving back into it with Singletary this week, man. I I got him in my uh, RB18 this week right now. I think he's a strong RB2, and against KC, I think he has some upside as well. I agree. I just don't hope they give up on him. So I just hope they don't give up on him so quickly if he struggles to start the game. Fair enough. Um, Moving to the wide receivers, Stephon Diggs, strong wide receiver one. I mean, he saw 16 targets last week. I really wish I drafted Stephon Diggs. I didn't draft him anywhere because the True Value report showed that he'd be wide receiver 50 with Josh Allen of last year. But holy moly, is this not Josh Allen of last year anymore? That's the issue. Josh Allen is way, way better. And Stephon Diggs, as a result, has been... Uh, wide receiver one and continues to be a wide receiver one 16 targets with john brown inactive holy moly firing up digs obviously you know gabriel davis played 100 percent of snaps week five if john, john brown, brown inactive. i think it's official now that if john brown doesn't play gabriel davis is a very good start yeah i think he's certainly a wide receiver three ish more flex worthy option he did have a touchdown called back as well on an illegal shift penalty 
So he could have had a bigger game uh, that is not in the box score. Yeah, so if Brown's healthy, I'm playing him. If Davis, if he's not, I'm playing Davis. And Beasley just continues to be a wide receiver three, flex option, safe type of guy. Yeah, and then Dawson Knox is hurt, and you don't want to use Bill's tight ends anyway. Moving over to the other. No, we talked about the other team. It's time for Monday night. Monday night football on MSG. Well, actually, the second Monday night game. Because COVID's confusing us all. We got the Cardinals at the Cowboys, a.k.a. the quarterback who's been struggling against the new quarterback. Dak Prescott is going to be out the year, probably, most likely. He had surgery on his ankle. Shout out Dak Prescott. Unfortunate. Healthy recovery, my man. Um, Safe and quick, please. The game's better with you in it. Um, Kyler Murray, 25th in true target value. Uh, has been better as of late, but has still been around league average hovering. Um, and let's not forget that Kyler Murray's getting better games have been against around league average. Uh, league average, and this past week was against the Jets. That's true too. So when it comes to his, so you're starting him no matter what because of his legs or whatever though. So or I don't know, I don't know why I said or whatever because of his legs. Um, and you're starting DeAndre Hopkins. Fuck out of here with Christian Kirk, man. And Andy Isabella or Fitz or... I don't know, man. And you, I'm not touching a Cardinals player outside of Hopkins. I think Kirk has some flex appeal. I no, know you hate it, he but doesn't. he's coming off seven targets. And he is the second receiving option against uh, the Dallas Cowboys. So I do think he has flex appeal. Excuse me. I don't know, I man. I think he has flex appeal. He's so inefficient. I, I, don't, I don't want any of that. I agree that he's inefficient, but again, we're dealing with bye weeks here. The bye week crunch. Sometimes you got to play players you necessarily do not enjoy playing. I think Christian Kirk, you can't argue that he has some appeal as a second option against the Dallas Cowboys. Back to back weeks where he was a serviceable fantasy asset. Yes, he was saved by a touchdown I against see Carolina. The appeal. I will not fall into the trap. Fair enough. All right. Everyone wants to crown. Chase Edmonds, the next king of Arizona. Meanwhile, Kenyon Drake is still seeing most of the touches. Um, he played in 66% of the plays last week. Edmonds has looked better. He's graded better as a pass catcher and as a blocker. But Drake is still the main guy there. He just has he not 18 rushes good. against the Jets, Kenyon Drake, and scored his first touchdown. Like He is now a touchdown-dependent early down back. And yeah. that's his role. It sucks. That's not what you drafted him to be. But if just accept that that's the fact and all these people going crazy for Chase Edmonds, like he's not going to be breaking 30-yard touchdown runs every week. Without the 30-yard touchdown run last week, he's getting like seven to eight touches a game right now. That is not enough to be a viable weekly starter. I do think he is in a great spot against Dallas this week. And I do think he has low-end RB2 flex appeal. But Kenyon Drake, he's a good flex player. But Kenyon Drake is still getting the vast majority of touches. Sure, you could argue Edmonds is looking a lot better, but Kenyon Drake is the is the goal line guy. He's the early down back. So I'm not trying to jump to conclusions here. Yes, Chase Edmonds saw 45 percent of snaps last week, which is his uh, season high, and maybe he starts stealing more work from Kenyon Drake, but. 
as of now, Kenyon Drake still had 18 rushes last week, and he should see a lot of work again against Dallas. So I still think he has some uh, low end RB two. Yeah, appeal Drake as is well. definitely still the superior player, and has still been RB twenty eight or better in four or five games. So he's getting enough work to still be relevant and still be put into your RB two or flex spot. Agreed. I think that's it for the Cardinals. They're pretty um, simple when it comes to fantasy because you're starting DeAndre Hopkins as well. Um, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins is in an absolute smash spot here. He's my wide receiver one this week. Now, four out of five weeks, he's been wide receiver 11 or better in half PPR. Bang. So he's just a target machine, even with Kyler Murray's true throw value being in the dumps. Um, DeAndre Hopkins still, because of how damn good he is, checks in as wide receiver 8 for true target value. When it comes to the Cowboys, Andy Dalton. The last two seasons he's been a starting quarterback has been a top 16 fantasy option. His best season in 2015, according to PFF, he was third in points per dropback. It's a new year. It's a later Andy Dalton, but he's been good with a much worse supporting cast. Um, I, I'll just look at this team as an overview. I don't think that Andy Dalton is that much of a downgrade. I do think everyone's going to downgrade a little bit. I think Amari Cooper is going to go from can't miss wide receiver one back to where he's been in his career. A little up and down, a little boom bust, wide receiver two. CeeDee Lamb, I expect his production to go down to wide receiver three range rather than wide receiver two. And then with Michael Gallup, I expect him to be wide receiver three flex play um, similarly. Listen, at some point, there's going to be a time where they're not going to have to throw as much and they're going to be playing worse teams Soon, the Cardinals aren't the best team. They still have to play the NFC East a lot. And Zeke has yet to put up 100 rushing yards this year. I think they lean on him more um, with Dak Prescott out. So with more Zeke groundwork, I think there's a little bit less opportunity to go around. And I wouldn't be surprised if Andy Dalton's true throw value is worse than Dak Prescott's. Meaning everyone takes a little dip, but I'm not hitting the panic button. I kind of agree with everything you just said, and it's reflected in my rankings as well. I got Cooper as... Wide receiver 15 this week. Lamb is wide receiver 24. And Gallup more in that wide receiver 3 flex territory. And Zeke is actually my RB1. I do think this is going to be a more run-heavy approach coming from Dallas now with Dak out. Because Andy Dalton is not Dak Prescott. And unless they're trailing early, I do think they're going to try to establish Ezekiel Elliott in that running game. But I agree in that Dalton is certainly the best backup in the league. Maybe Jameis Winston. Um you could argue, but Dalton's definitely a top two backup, and this is definitely the best supporting cast he's ever had. Even last week, he came in and played decently well um, in his in uh, Prescott's stead, and Arizona is not a very daunting matchup. They've been pretty good overall against the pass, but they have played teams like San Fran, Washington, Detroit, Carolina, and the Jets. Like They have not played daunting matchups, and They've got feasted up against by Terry McLaurin, Kenny Galladay, Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder. There is room to operate for all these guys. So I'm firing up Coop. I'm firing up Lamb. Gallup is more of a toss-up. How are you feeling about Dalton Schultz? Schultz. I think that um, Mr. Snoopy is... I'm calling Mr. Snoopy because Schultz is the name of the Snoopy guy, right? Um, I think (laughs) he's going to be the worst. um, The least beneficiary. I don't know what to say. He's going to get hurt by Dalton the most. Because there's only so many targets that can go around. And especially in the tight end position, 
true true values matter because targets are scarce there. And he was he was good when he was getting six targets a game from Zach Prescott um, to eight targets. He had three last week. Um, I don't expect Andy Dalton to target him too much. And it's not like Dalton used tight ends much in the past. He used Tyler Eifert for like a year, but Eifert was always hurt, and he never really used anyone besides that. I do think that Schultz is the casualty in terms of fantasy output. Yeah, uh, Schultz is definitely the guy I'm most hesitant to play. Uh, even this week, I think it's very, it's a toss-up if you could trust him or not. You really want to see how he fits into that offense with Andy Dalton at QB. Um, I'd rather go elsewhere if you have to start him, I understand, with the way the tight end landscape is. But not the biggest fan this week against Arizona. And Arizona's Arizona's tight end defense has not been as bad as it was in 2019. Yeah. Um, they are home, so that might help Amari Cooper, who has traditionally been better at home when he was more of a um, up-and-down player. He only has one touchdown on the season as well. So maybe he'll yeah. find the end zone. You know that there's bye weeks when the podcast reads one hour and one minute and we're done wow usually that reads an hour and 30 minutes Uh, but when you take out two games two games one game i don't even know (coughs) that's it that's week two um thank you for listening you guys are the best if you want to follow us you can follow me at brodo ff jason i'm at brodo ff mike follow tim at brodo ff tim the usual host as you all know you can follow all of us at brodo fantasy on um, on Sundays, we tweet every touchdown, and Mondays, and Tuesdays, and Thursdays, and whenever a fucking game is played. So put those push notifications on and hit the follow button, please. Also, we put a lot of updates out there. It's only Wednesday when we record this, so please go to our website, look at our rankings, look at our um, articles, all that good stuff. Keep up with us throughout the week so that you don't just get half of what we do over the week. You get the full thing, although this is definitely more than half because we put a lot of work into this Wednesday one. But you know what I mean. You want the full picture and not the 75, 80%. Um, you can also follow us at Patreon. Uh, you can join us at Patreon, patreon.com slash protofantasy to be a part of an amazing community and um, get access to our waiver pod and much, much more. Uh, as it comes to our partners, you can f- go to partybelts.com, use code BRODO for 15% off the coolest belt you'll ever get. You can go to Manscaped and use code BRODO for 20% off and shipping to groom yourself. And you can go to Thrive Fantasy and use code BRODO20, BRODO20, to get a match of between $20 and $50 on your first deposit to play some DFS prop bets. Um, That is all for week two. Later. Later.